Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us, or made us free, from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, friends, tonight it's good to be free. It's good to be delivered. You know, whenever you've testified a few times, you always try and think of a different way to put it or a different slant to put upon it. But tonight I just want to thank God that I'm free. Paul says, thanking God the Father who has delivered us or freed us from the dominion of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Thank God tonight that I'm free. You know, it's good to be free. Friends, are you thankful tonight that you're free? I said, are you thankful tonight that you're free? I just want to say I am thankful that Jesus set me free. And my testimony tonight, no matter how I word it, it will never change. The Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. The devil had me bound, but thank God tonight Jesus set me free. Friends, are you glad tonight that you're free? Amen. Amen. My name's Brent, and I think everybody in here knows who I am, but this is just simply my testimony tonight. You know, I was born, it always starts the same, I was born in a broken home or a dysfunctional family. I had one brother, two sisters, and a mum who we were always told or led to believe that she couldn't really cope. And you know, after me and Lyd had Canaan, and if he was anything like me, we probably realized why. You know, what she always said, my brother was the troublesome one, you know, and I was always the one that was content and always smiling. But you can always be smiling and cause your parents to be pulling their hair out, you know, in despair. But you know, my brother, just in case he's ever listens to this, you know, I cared about my brother a lot, you know. I idolized my brother and I loved my brother, you know. He was just the one that I loved out of it all, you know, and I don't want him ever thinking, you know. He ended up, he had just trouble, you know, with my mom and whatever else, but you know, I loved my brother, you know. You know, and very quickly, we were in and out of the care system. We were uh, backwards and forwards to my mom to were about the age of five, you know, and uh, backwards and forwards. We were the first two residents to open or cut the ribbon, as it were, on the local children's home, you know, and uh, we were backwards and forwards to my mum, backwards and forwards, and about the age of five, we were all split up. I was sent to a foster home in Belfast on the Ballycillan. My brother was sent to a foster home in Cookstown, and uh, I and my sisters, they went to live with their dad just outside Newcastle. And it was here in this uh, foster home that I, I, I first went to church, it was the Schenkel Baptist Church, and I went there every Sunday, every Sunday afternoon to the Sunday school, every Sunday night, every Thursday to the CE club. I was uh, in the choir. I used to do, I used to do wee special solos. There's tapes. I always say to him, there's tapes of me singing solos somewhere. But then I remember one day as we were practicing in this wee foster home, I remember them all looking at me strangely, and the must, my voice must have just broke, and that was the end of my solos, you know, and. Uh, you know, but it was here that I heard that you needed to be saved. I heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you needed to be born again, that Jesus had died on a cross, that he rose again on the third day, but one day he was going to burst through the clouds and he was going to come back for those that loved him in this life. 
You know, and at the end of those meetings, sometimes at night, I would run up beside my bed. I was in the attic room, and I'd get down beside my wee camp bed, and I'd get down beside it, and I'd ask Jesus to save me. You know, but friends, I was never born again, you know, because I never truly repented of my sin. You know, but I believe God heard that cry as a young boy. You know, he sees the heart. He does see your heart tonight, you know, and very quickly that placement broke down, and then I was put into another foster home just uh, outside down Patrick, and this was an elderly Catholic couple this time, and uh, we were like the only one, we were like, there was about four houses on the lane, and uh, there was nobody really there, and they wouldn't make me go to Mass, I just had to go sometimes whenever there was nobody to look after me, they had loads of daughters and sons and whatever else, and uh, we, uh, uh, as I said, it was just, there was no friends and nobody, you know, my only friend I often say was the big dog, I had a Doberman dog called Sultan, and he died, and me and dogs never really had the same relationship, you know, since, you know. I got I had Dre whenever I got saved. I got Dre, and uh, Dre, remember Dre, Jack? Yes. But he never really just cut the mark. I think he had like a stink gland or something, you know. Um, he went to the home. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that placement, as I said, that was an elderly couple, and uh, I was turning into a teenager, and... Basically, they just couldn't really cope. They'd looked after my sisters for a wee while whenever they were, um, whenever they were young, and that that family actually they were on the Jerry Kelly show and everything for the amount of people that they'd looked after. They were brilliant people, a brilliant wee couple that looked after kids throughout all the years, you know. But that wee placement broke down, and I was sent back to the children's home that I'd been in as a wee boy, you know. And uh, it was here they. You know, it was here that my eyes were opened, like Adam and Eve, to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. My eyes were opened to sin. It was here that I fell in love with sin. You know, in that home, they let me do whatever I wanted. You know, they'd known me from a young boy. My brother had been there for years. He had been back in it, and he was there for years just before I came along. He had just left, you know. But they let me do whatever I wanted. You know, there was one time... I was thinking about it this week. There was one time the manager woman, she was away on leave for three or four weeks. And I'd been given all the wee mini key workers. I'd been giving them a lot of grief over the weekend. And they decided to stick me in a secure unit. You know, so I was in this secure unit in Bangor. Uh, Rathgale, you called it. Victoria knows it. And uh, I was there for three or four weeks. And then I got a phone call. This is Brent, you need to come into the office. There's a phone call here. It was actually the manager phoned me up. And what she actually said was, Brent, we ap- I apologize for what they have done to you, and I'll have you back out by Monday. You know, she was apologizing for what they had done to me, and not what I had actually done to them, and wasn't very nice, you know. But you know what, you know, they say James Bond had a license to kill. I actually had a license to sin. They let me do whatever I wanted. By the age of 15, I was in the pubs and the clubs. I'd come home, they'd carry me up to bed, and then they'd send me back out in the morning again with money in my pocket, you know. By the age of 16, I was began to sell drugs, you know, and uh, they decided at this stage, you know, that it was time for me to leave. And I went to live with a friend. I lived a high life for a while. Uh, got a bit of a name for myself. And as Tim knows, that name, as he phoned one day, just before I got saved, he phoned the local police constable to find out what my second name was. And he said, his second name is bad news. Stay away from him. But I thank God tonight that a few months ago or a month or so ago, he was able to tell the police the good news that had been saved, that had been delivered, that had been set free, and that I was a new creature in Jesus Christ. You know, uh, by the age of 18, I would probably say my life started to spiral out of control. I was uh, probably a 
full-blown alcoholic. I'd be the last one to put my head down at night. You know, I'd drink myself into an oblivion. And I'd be the first one up in the morning. And I'd be the first one down to the off license. You know, my life was slowly spiraling out of control. You see, friends, there is pleasure in sin. The Bible does say there's pleasure in sin, but it only lasts for a season. You know, I could probably count on one hand in all those years the amount of times that I had true fun in sin. It wasn't fun, friends. It was mostly heartache, headache, and misery. Sin starts off sweet and ends up bitter. The devil only tells you about the joy. He never tells you of what you will suffer. He tells you about what you'll gain, but he never tells you what you'll lose. Sin only lasts for a season. At the age of 20, I had my first son. I decided I was going to do everything right. I was going to be a good dad. I was going to put everything right. I said to myself, my son won't have the life that I had. I settled down, got a job, stopped drinking as much, but I just replaced the drink habit with other habits. I just started to take other drugs. I started to build a home and all the trimmings. And a couple of years later, I had my second son. And the bills started to arise and I started to sell drugs again. These words, I became obsessed with material things and how much money I could have. I would actually be walking about the streets, friends, with these five wor- or these few words predominantly in my mind. I have to make money. That was always what went through my head. But all the while, friends, my life was on the downward spiral. In the space of about two years, I was now totally addicted to cannabis. I was using numerous other drugs, illegal and prescription, just to help myself function. Drugs to bring me up, drugs to bring me down, drugs to make me level again. And I actually thought one time I was the smart lad. You know, I worked on the fishing boats in Kilkeel for a while whenever I was younger. And one time we brought a dead body in on the net. And I thought I would use this to manipulate the doctors into giving me prescription medication and to get the sick and the DLA. But actually, friends, that was the worst mistake of my life. You see, they tell you, oh, if you take these prescription drugs for four or five weeks, there'll be a few ups and downs, but eventually they'll begin to work and you'll be happier. But friends, they didn't make me a stronger person. I want to tell you they made me a weaker person. You know, and I still struggle in my sleep and everything else because of those drugs. God has delivered me. God has set me free. But I tell you, see, every night, my head, I dream, I dream, I dream, I dream. But it was all I know for a fact that it was because of the prescription drug. I never dreamed before I took prescription drugs. But then my head is always active every single night. You know, they didn't make me stronger. They made me weaker. I became aggressive. I became violent. I became an emotional roller coaster. And I was now constantly being told by either doctors or social workers, I had something wrong with me. I needed to sort myself out and I needed some sort of help. In 2007, I had done a stint in rehab, but nothing seemed to work. I just came out, relapsed, and felt like an even bigger failure. Friends, I wanted to change. I loved my kids. I wanted to be a good dad. I wanted to do right. I wanted to please people, but nothing I did seemed to work. I was now a prisoner to what I had become. The Bible says there's a law at work within us. There's a law within a work within our members. What I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And what I didn't do, want to do, I ended up doing. There was a law at work within me, and it's called the law of sin and death. Everything that I did, everything that I touched, everything that I tried to do turned to death and to dust. What I wanted to do, I couldn't do. 
short time later, things started to get worse. And by the age of 27, I'd been in jail three times because I'd come to the point where I had little or no self-control. I was in jail and what seemed like a life of no hope and no answer. I got out of jail on bail and in the beginning of 2009, my two sons were taken into care. Everything that I said wouldn't happen, did happen. Friends, I want to tell you, everything you say, if you're in sin tonight, everything you say to whoever it is, oh, it won't happen to me, I tell you, everything that will happen to you. I'm looking at a long jail sentence. April 2009, I'm now sitting in the Downpatrick Courthouse. Nothing left. All is gone. My kids, my home, my life, any hope for the future. I'm a physical and mental mess. I'm looking at a long jail sentence, and to be honest, I almost wanted to go into jail because, friends, actually, it was actually quieter and more peaceful in there. You know, I used to go into jail and watch these standards and go, my life's actually worse than that. I want to tell you, it was the end of the road, a life that was wrecked and ruined by sin. I even remember I was standing in that courtroom or in that courthouse I remember looking through the window and actually seeing that my solicitor was even stitching me up. He would have took your case, never looked at it again, got you into court six months later and told you to plead guilty. Problem was, it probably was guilty. <laughs> I went to court once and I wasn't guilty. Once. My life was now a wreck. I was sitting in court and a man comes up to me I didn't even see him sitting down beside me. And he says, Brent, do you remember me? And I looked at him. And I thought, where have I seen him? Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> Narcotics Anonymous. He looked rough that day. <laughs> He's probably afraid. He said, I'm Tim, the pastor of the New Testament church. And I've met you in Seamus' a couple of times. That was an alcoholic that lived across the road from me. And he said, here's my card. If you ever need anything, you ever want anything, he says, you just give us a call. And he left, and on the back of that card, as I turned it over, it said this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That day, friends, I didn't get saved, but I just left that courtroom, and I felt like someone cared. I felt like someone cared. But I would later realize that it was actually Jesus that cared, that he cared all about my troubles, he cared all about my woes, that he had died to pay the price for my sin and to set me free. A couple of months later, I phoned Tim. He came to my wee flat in Downpatrick, which was actually called 1E Jail Lane. <laughs> we spoke for a long time. I laid it all out, all the things that had done, all the things that had happened in my life. I didn't mean it all to go that way. I didn't really mean to be the person that I was. I didn't know how long he was there, maybe an hour or so. But the only thing I remember him saying was this. At the end of it all, Brent, your life is the consequences of your sin. Friends, I didn't need any convincing of that. I'd heard the gospel as a young boy. And if I could look back all over my life, I could see the devil's fingerprints all over it and the consequences of my sin. I could see the devil's fingerprints over it. My sin had ruined my life. But he also said, Brent, there's this. There's an answer. And the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. I tried everything else. I tried rehabs. I tried drugs. I tried self-help. But tonight there was an answer. 
And the answer was Jesus Christ. That night I called out for God to save me from my mess. But more importantly, that he would save me from my sin. And friends, from that night on, my life has never been the same. From that night on forward, every chain and every bondage has been broken. From that night on, every burden was lifted. From that night on, every wound was healed. From that night on, every prison door was opened. And friends, thank God through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, I was set free. The power of sin had been broken and I was freed. We song says, free from the fear of tomorrow, free from the guilt of the past. I've traded my shackles for a glorious song. I'm free. Praise the Lord, free at last. And why can we be set free? Because God sent His only begotten Son into this world to die for you and me. God's Son took on flesh and He lived a life that I could never live. He walked this earth long before you and I walked it. And he lived his life bringing nothing but good news to all men and to all women and setting them free. He came that you might have an inheritance and be set free from the bondage of sin. Our reading tonight says he was, he has delivered us from the domain or the control of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You see, without Jesus Christ, you and I are trapped in the domain of darkness. Without Christ, you and I are under the control of sin that keeps us chained and held back from going forward, trapped in our misery, trapped in our heartache, trapped, friends, in our loneliness, burdened and weighed down by the things of this world, trapped in our own self-effort, our own trying to get our way through life, trapped from finding peace and a way back to God. I tell you, friend, I thank God for Jesus Christ who has set me free from the bondage of sin and the bondage of this world. Sin is ugly. Sin is deceitful. Sin is wicked. Sin destroys lives. Sin destroys families. But friends, the domain of darkness has captured so many tonight. It's pulled so many down. Some sitting tonight and they don't even know where to turn to. That's the produce of this kingdom. But I'm here to tell you tonight, now for those tonight that are saying, I'm stuck in that place, I want to tell you tonight, there's a great deliverer and his name is Jesus Christ. There's a way out tonight. You can be set free. Jesus sets the captive free. He can remove you from the domain of darkness. That's what this word means. He can deliver you from the domain of darkness and transfer you into another kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. That's what he wants to do. Why? Because of his love, because of his amazing grace, and because of his mercy. God willingly gave us his son, not to condemn you, not to keep you in this place of darkness. That's why he sent his son, that he might deliver you from the powers of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of his marvelous light. Jesus went to the cross and he took all our sin that we might be set free. He took our darkness. He took all that we have done. And when he goes to the cross. And when he was nailed to that tree. And when he was bruised. And when he was battered. And when he takes our sin. Calvary is the place where we are liberated tonight. And where we are set free. That is where we are set free. 
This is where the transfer happens. There's only one place, friends, that burdens can be lifted, and that's Calvary. They can't be lifted in a bottle of drink. They can't be lifted in a tablet, friends. The only place that burdens can be lifted tonight is at the place of Calvary and through the blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Friends, I don't get hung up, friends, tonight on this whole conversion therapy argument, friends. To be honest, I haven't paid it any attention at all. Because you see, when they come to arrest me, I'll be telling them I didn't give him no therapy. I preached the gospel. He was born again. And Jesus set him wonderfully free. The gospel sets free. Thank God you can be free from the domain of darkness. Thank God you can be free from the guilt of your sin. Transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. This is God's kingdom. This is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is a kingdom that's going to last forever. This is a kingdom, friends, that's going to bring us home. This is a kingdom that knows no end. From that moment, friends, my life has never been the same. Thank God the blood of Jesus Christ can set a man or a woman free. Friends, he's a great God and an amazing Savior. Paul says, thanks be to God who has given us an inheritance. He's given us something, friends, in Jesus Christ. It's not just religion. Doesn't come to take from you, friends. I tell you, God comes to give you. He wants to give you. He wants to bless you abundantly. Getting saved isn't the end, friends. It's only the beginning. It's a new life. It's a new beginning. It's a new man or woman. A new heart and a new purpose for that life. And friends, a new home. Folks, I serve a living Savior who, who leads me, who guides me, who provides for me. Who moves mountains and obstacles? Who gives me victory after victory? We heard it this morning, friends. I serve a God I see working in my life every day. It's not religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest thing about being saved, friend, isn't what he gave me. The greatest thing is that I know God as my own and personal Savior, friends. That I have, friends, I never had a father. But friends, I know within me the day that I got saved, there was a spirit within me that cried, Abba, Father. I knew that I had a father in heaven. I know how to love my kids. I know how to love my wife. I know how I'm meant to behave with people. Why? Because of a father at the age of 27 showed me how to live this life. And he loves me and he loves everything about me and he provides for me and he gives for me because he's a loving father. Time after time, he served, he, I, he's a living Savior, a God that instructs me and guides me through His living Word. Time after time, He's proved to me this Word works if I follow it. It's a living Word. The first verses He ever gave me was, I want to teach you. I went through a terrible time when I first could see it, but He says, I brought you this way because I thought God was up there and I was down here and the clouds were in between and maybe God might sprinkle a little blessing on my life. But God, friends, I used to say, God wasn't turning my life. God turned my life. My life wasn't being turned upside down. God was just turning my thinking the right way up because I didn't think right about him. He says, I brought you this way through this wilderness to prove you and to humble you and to show that man does not live by bread alone, but every word. I can live by every word in this book, friends, and by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God speaks, friends, and things happen. Time after time, he's proved it. God has abundantly blessed this life. He says he puts the solitary in families. 
He put me in a body of believers that cared for me, that supported me, that helped me through, friends. Stephen and Tricia, David and Leanne, Andy and Ruth, Linda, Lee and Leah, Tim and Nikki, friends, and Fiona. I have to mention Fiona because she says, you know, you know what said your bread's buttered on. <laughs> have to remember Fiona. There's so many, friends, all these, everybody that's here and they know them. I, I thank everybody because I wasn't an easy case. I wasn't easy. Took me a while to get through. I went to live with Tim and Nicky for a while and after a few months it was time to fly the nest. I know. I think it was, I think Isaac was on the way. His brothers call him Joseph. We Joseph was on the way. Alone, all alone. Now we house in Mount Eden. I think Nicky felt bad the first night she sent me a wee text, no wee verse. What are you messing? <laughs> I thank God for what they've done, you know. I thank God for what they've done. In that wee house in Mount Eden, friends, I tell you, it was there that I met with God. I'd sit in those stairs and I would pray. And I learned what it was to hear from God. I was always looking, always listening. When's he going to move? When's he going to move? When's he going to move? Just after I got saved, I was listening because the God of heaven would speak into the situations of my life. Just after I got saved, the courts told me that I wouldn't get my kids back until they were 18 partly to do with a report that was written by one of the top psychologists in the whole of Northern Ireland. He said in his report, one line, this man has not got the ability to change. I just got saved and everything seemed to be going wrong rather than right. But friends, courts weren't going to get the glory. Solicitors weren't going to get the glory. Churches weren't going to get the glory. There's only one person going to get the glory, and that's God's Son, Jesus Christ. Kids were gone until they were 18. But one day, I'm lying on my bed. I was reading the book of Hebrews about the new covenant, about the new and the living way, and I started to drift off, and I started to think about the lads, and I started to think about when they were 18, 20, whatever age they were, and I had my own place, and they'd maybe come around with their girlfriends or their wives, and in an instant, God stopped me, and he said, Brent, what are you imagining something you've already had before? I'm going to do a new thing in your life. You see that day, friends, four years before I ever got my kids back, I knew that God was going to give me my kids home. God speaks and things happen. But a month later, came about that I'd heard on a phone call from one of the social workers that there was a wee meeting coming up and uh, they had decided they were going to take whatever contact that I had off me. I was on once a fortnight supervised with the boys. I used to have to go to Genesis with them or quickly take them to the swimmers inside two hours and get them all washed and back out again. And uh, they told me they were going to take this contact off me. I started to panic and I would walk around the town an awful lot whenever I first got saved, eating Mars bars and Magnums and all. And uh, I started to panic. What am I going to do? Who am I going to phone? What, am, what can I do here? What way can I work this out? And 
was just coming around top of the town there and God stopped me in my tracks. He said, Brent, you're either going to try and work all this out or you're going to take this to me in prayer. I stopped in the middle of that street and I said, God, what do you want me to do? He said, you go into that meeting. You tell them that you want your kids in home. Now I'm on supervised contact. They're about to take that contact off me. And I have to go into a meeting and tell them that I want my kids in home. So I went into that wee meeting and uh, everybody that was against me was removed. There wasn't one person there. There was 10, 6, 8 people in that room. And they all were all sitting in a big circle. And one had their say and the next one had their say and the next one had their say. And I'm sitting there itching because I get something to say. And uh, he said to me, Brent, uh, is there anything you'd like to say? I says, yes, I'd just like to have my kids in home. He says, you know what we'll do, Brent? That's no problem. You can have your kids into your home, unsupervised. He says, but we, you have them uh, once a fortnight. You can have them twice a week now. You can have them on a Saturday. And you can have a Wednesday with, to do their homeworks with them and everything else. Friends, I walked out of that room, I felt like Moses, that I'd just delivered half of Israel. God speaks. And things happen. A bit of time passes, a year or so. I was walking down the street again, past Genesis. <laughs> and uh, I just was praying. And I said, God, you know, the lads had sort of been in a foster home. They were sort of happy. And I says, God, I know they're happy. And if that's your will, then that's your will. I says, I can handle that. If that's your will, you keep them there. I says, but there's one thing I'd like you to do. I'd like you to bring them under the sound of the gospel. Later that week, I got a phone call from the social worker saying, Mr. Porter, the boys' placement has broke down. I would like to look at you for giving you permanent custody of the lads. You know, God speaks and things happen. In between that time, me and Lyd got married. We started dating in the February, get married in the June. He gave me a godly wife. He gave me a wife that loves his word. Give me a wife that loves the Lord and loves souls. You know, friends, more amazing. He gave me somebody that loves me. You know, because God knows. God knows who you need. God knows God has someone for you. You know, Emma shared it there the last time whenever she was testifying. You know, her, her husband wasn't in the world. Her husband was in the church. No friends, you don't need to worry about partners and everything else. You know, God cares enough about your life. He knows everything about your life. He knows exactly what you need. He knows the desires of your heart. And He will meet every single one of them, friends. Because He knows what's best. If any man's looking bread, would He give him a stone? God's not cruel. You see, there's an inheritance in Jesus Christ. God has a plan. He has a perfect plan for every life. Friends, there was a big assessment to come up. You know, the social workers, this is what I've been pushing for ever since I got saved, or even before I got saved. There's, the social workers have this assessment, a parenting assessment, or a family assessment, or whatever. And uh, it's the final test. And if you pass this assessment, you get your kids back. But if you fail that assessment, you're never, that's it, end of the road. That's the final test. Me and Lyd are married. I haven't done anything in years. I've jumping through every single hoop. I go, we go, we both go and do the assessment. A couple of weeks later, the woman says, I have to pull the plug on this assessment. He's failed. I failed the assessment. What am I going to do? 
what am I going to do? How am I going to get my kids back? They go back to court. You know, because I could get everybody from the church and get him to go up and say, you know, look, he's a good lad. Uh, Led's mum, she's a social worker. She says, take them to court. Take them to court. I was on to the guardian. I laid him. I was checking this one. I was checking that one. You know, but then God speaks and things happen. And I was reading one morning in our wee house. And he gave me this verse, 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Looking to show himself strong on behalf of those who trust him. Then it says, Herein hast thou done foolishly. Therefrom, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Basically what God was saying to me is, If you'll trust in me, I'll show myself strong. But if you take this to court, he said, you'll be fighting these people for the rest of your days. A little later, I'm getting another assessment. Sitting in meetings with the same psychologist who had said, this man has not got the ability to change. But what he's now saying is, Brent, it's a humbling thing for a man like me to have to say that I was wrong. What has happened to you doesn't normally happen to people. And what you've got, you need to bottle it and paint it. And what I said is, Paul, what I've got is the Lord Jesus Christ. And for weeks I testified to that man about what God had done in my life. This is a psychologist, and I'm telling them that I've been changed by the power of Jesus. He says, what you're t-? he says, I've seen people in jails. He used to go into the jails. He says, I've seen them make professions to get out and get whatever they need. He says, but you know, he says, what you've got, I believe it's real. You know, friends, God was going to get all the glory. Man wasn't going to get the glory. I wasn't going to get the glory. Jesus is God's son. Jesus Christ was going to get all the glory. Friends, God has restored this life. The psalmist says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven and his sin is covered. Blessed because of Calvary and Christ. Some men trust in horses. Some men trust in chariots. But we shall trust the Lord our God. Restored me, friends, my mind, my heart, my family. Give me a loving wife. Give me two new kids. Friends, I serve a great God. The Bible says he's a great king above all the gods. I have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. I have a life that I only could have dreamed of. I have a plan, a purpose that God has given me. Peace in my mind, a hope for the future, a joy that fills my heart. Thank God that I'm free. More recently, he's spoken to me through his word about the streets of Belfast. Led me to go down and reach the lost of the streets. Though he's given me a word that says, those that sit in darkness in the region of the shadow of death, the great light has sprung up. As most of you know, we go down into the streets of Belfast. We show the people the love of Christ to see them saved and set free. And we're already seeing the fruit of that. He's put a love in our hearts, me and Lyd and all those that go down to see these people set free. We love them all that we meet. You know, tonight, friends, there's people in this meeting tonight, and I'll not name them for embarrassment, but we meet them on a Tuesday and a Friday night. They're not drug addicts. They're not homeless. But I thank God tonight that God has led me there, and I can say that they're my friends. I thank God tonight that He's brought me across their paths, and I can say they're my friends. Tuesday night and Friday night are the best part of my week. 
apart from Wednesday and Sunday when I hang out with my other mates. He's told me through his word that Belfast is a stronghold, but suddenly he's going to pull those walls down and we're going to go in and see many rescued from the rubble. There's no, nothing greater tonight, nothing more exciting and fulfilling than fulfilling the will and the calling of God in your life. Friends, no drug, no tablet, no alcohol, friends. The town is filled with people drinking alcohol. But friends, I'm glad I was going in the other direction tonight. I'm glad that Jesus Christ has filled me with His plan, with His, with His purpose, with the new wine of the Spirit, friends. I thank God that He set me free. Paul says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in His inheritance. You see, it's only because of Jesus Christ that you and I are qualified to have an amazing inheritance. None of us are qualified to receive an amazing inheritance. But Jesus qualifies the unqualified. Do you know what the inheritance is? It's life in Christ. The inheritance is that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. The inheritance is that he'll guide you. The inheritance is that he'll lead you. The inheritance is that he'll provide for you. The inheritance is that he'll take your broken life and turn it into something beautiful. The inheritance is that through his word, though his word will pass away, we will be with God. This world will pass away. We will be with God forever. That's the inheritance. It's that all of this will pass away. And those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we're going to live forever. We'll have a new body and we'll be a new person in Jesus Christ. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more despair. There'll be no more loneliness. There'll be no more depression. We will live forever and ever and ever and ever and ever with Jesus. But friends, none of us are qualified for it. We're all born sinners. We've all failed. We've all made a mess of things. But thank God tonight you can leave this building free. Transferred from one kingdom, the kingdom of darkness and despair, and translated into the kingdom of his dear son and light. There's a way out. He can remove you from the domain of darkness. Think about that for a moment. This is all we heard this morning. This is all going to pass away. Stephen shared last week, whenever he got saved, everything of God's creation became alive and real. There's days in our lives, everything is great and looks beautiful. But all of this is going to pass away. And I'm going to be in a place where the kingdom of God is a lot more beautiful than all of this. Then there's days in our lives where everything looks miserable and gray. Things look that bad in life, you just want to run back under the covers and hide. But friends, when you get saved, you're in God's kingdom. And you'll never have to hide from life again. Because you'll be a new person in Christ Jesus. You'll have a new heart and a new life and a new, and a new start. And God is inviting you into this kingdom tonight to be free from the domain of darkness. There's freedom in Christ. There's an inheritance in Christ. There's redemption in Christ. Tonight's reading said, in whom we have redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. The price has been paid for your freedom. So while you sit and ponder this freedom, although you still sit and question this freedom in Christ, Although you try to rationalize whether this thing is real or not, 
Whether you should give faith in God or not, it doesn't even matter to God because he's already paid the price with the precious blood of the Lamb. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Before he went to the cross, he didn't tally up the votes, friends. He didn't wait to see how many people would believe. He didn't sit around and say, if I do this, if I lay down my life for my creation, how many votes do you think I will get? He didn't say, how many are going to vote for the devil and how many vote are going to vote for Jesus? He didn't say, depending on how many believe, that's how many I'll die for. No, Christ Jesus died for the entire world that all might go free. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So while you sit and reason, will this really work for me? Or am I worthy? Friends, I want to tell you the price has already been paid for your freedom. All you have to do is accept it and walk out the prison door. You can be free. It says in whom we have redemption. Even the forgiveness of sins. There's forgiveness of sins in Jesus. There's only one place that forgives sins. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's true freedom. That's true liberty. Freely forgiven. Friends, I want to tell you tonight, all of you in the back row, you've been freely forgiven. Second, from the back, you're freely forgiven. Third, from the back, you've been freely forgiven. Right the way to the front, you've been forgiven. If you only believe in the saving power of Jesus Christ. Praise God, your sins are forgiven. You don't have to remain. You see, you don't have to remain in the domain of darkness. You can be transferred in an instant to the kingdom of his dear son. And tonight, because of that, everyone has an opportunity. Everyone in this building tonight can leave this building tonight and say, thank God I'm free. Because Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, you'll be free to, free indeed. There's freedom tonight in Jesus Christ. No matter what happens tomorrow, no matter what the devil might trip you up with, this freedom isn't temporal, it's eternal. Because Jesus said, if the Son shall set you free, you'll be free indeed. If you're truly born again, you won't lose your freedom when you wake up. He has delivered you and set you free from the bondage of sin. Circumstances will never change this freedom. Because he always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, tonight we just want to pray with you. We just want to point you to the Savior. And I know there's some in here tonight that they don't feel free. There's some here tonight and they're burdened. And they're weighed down. They're weighed down by the curves of the world. They're weighed down by circumstances. They're weighed down by the past. They're weighed down by their sin. There's some tonight that are struggling with some sort of bondage. Or some type of thing has you gripped. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like. Maybe you don't even deserve to be in God's house. Friend, I want to tell you something. You're in the right place and you do deserve to be in God's house. Because remember tonight, 
It's not me who qualifies. It's Jesus who qualifies the unqualified. And how does he do that? By his grace. Through the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He shows grace to people who have messed up. He shows grace and mercy to people that don't deserve it, that have blown it like myself. Every one of us that are here has messed up, but by God's grace, he qualifies the unqualified. Friends, there's forgiveness tonight. There's an inheritance tonight. There's redemption tonight. And there's freedom tonight. But it's all found in one place. True freedom, true liberty, true meaning to life is all found in Jesus and in Calvary. And the the Savior simply invites you tonight to come and receive of this beautiful gift of freedom. Amen. Let us pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to come tonight and I just want to simply ask, is there one tonight, is there one tonight that wants to be free? Is there one tonight that wants to be translated from the life that they're in to a new life in Jesus Christ? Is there one that's sick of the darkness, sick of the depression, sick of where it's at, that wants to be free in Jesus Christ tonight. You can walk out of here tonight saying, thank God I'm free. Is there one tonight? You just put your hand up, put it down again, and we'll know to pray for you. Is there one that wants to leave this dark life of sin and a new life in Jesus Christ? Today, you can know true freedom. Is there one? Lord, we do just thank you, Lord God, just for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for the work that you have done in our lives. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that you have, Lord God, through your Son, given us an inheritance, Lord God, redemption, even the forgiveness of sins. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for every gift and blessing that you've bestowed upon us. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for the love that you bestowed upon us. We thank you, Lord God, that while we were yet sinners, You went to the cross for each and every one of us, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, just for what you're doing in our midst, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, just for what you've done in my life. I thank you, Lord God, that you did, Lord God, just, Lord God. You did a great work in this life. I thank you tonight, Lord God, that I do just have a testimony that God has set me free. Lord God, I pray for every life, Lord God. I pray for those, Lord God, that are in our midst, Lord God. Lord God, I pray for those that aren't saved. Lord God, I pray. Lord God, you would continue to draw them by your great love. Lord God, I pray you would reveal, Lord God, not, Lord God, the things of this world, not religion, but you'd reveal your Son unto them tonight. We want you to get all the glory. You said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men 
unto myself. And Lord God, I pray you draw men and women tonight. I pray you touch, Lord God, hearts, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that men and women would be delivered tonight, that they'd be delivered from all the darkness and the despair that this world has to offer, and that they'd be translated into the kingdom of your dear Son and everything that you have to offer. There's peace, there's joy, there's fulfillment, O oh God, in the Holy Ghost. Lord God, we thank you for the life that is in Christ tonight. Lord God, we pray Lord God, just for this meeting, we pray even as the preacher's voice goes silent, Lord God, you'd continue to deal with hearts, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, even for those, Lord God, as we heard this morning in the valley of decision, we pray, Lord God, Lord God, that tomorrow, Lord God, we'd even hear, Lord God, that they got down beside their bed, O God, and they asked you to save them, O God. We thank you that you hear that heart's cry. You say it in the book of old, O God, that you heard their cry and you came down to deliver them, O God. You heard their bondages, O God. You heard by reason of their taskmasters, O God, but you lifted them, O God, and you set them wonderfully free. You delivered and you brought them out, Lord God, into that land. We thank you that you have a land for us, Lord God, that you have good thoughts towards us, O God. Lord God, not for not for evil, but for good, O God, for great purposes, O God, to bring us to an expected end, to prosper us, O God. Lord God, we thank you that you can do exceedingly abundantly with every life above all that we can ask or think. You can do beyond our wildest dreams tonight, Lord God. We thank you for the life that is in Christ Jesus tonight, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, bless everyone as they go home tonight, Lord God. We thank you for Calvary. In Jesus' precious name, amen.